out here. Captain! Signatures detected. Shields up. Signatures detected. Context Southeast Command. What's happening? Context Southeast Command. Delay that order. Context Southeast Command. This is the captain. Context Southeast Command. Get out of my chair. Chair, 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 chair. We have engaged the Klingons. 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 Welcome to The Greatest Discovery. It's a Star Trek Discovery podcast from the makers of The Greatest Generation. I'm Ben Harrison. I'm Adam Pranica. Adam, I'm told that we have a lot to get to on today's show, but I'm told that there was a uh, a rare package in the Shimoda P.O. box for The Greatest Discovery. Yeah, there sure was. We have separate P.O. boxes for The Greatest Discovery, for Friendly Fire, and for... Uh, We're not good with money. <laughs> I don't like the male touching each other. It's, <laughs> it's the sort of arrangement I prefer on, on my dinner plate. I don't like my foods touching. I don't like my mail touching. But uh, we have a manila envelope sent to us from our friends at HasLabs. Oh. And I think that might tip you off about what its contents may be. So they sent us a a beautiful gift that almost ended (laughs) your marriage. Uh, For our other show, The Greatest Generation, they sent a, a rubber replica of Odo's Bucket like a one-to-one replica that had a, a, a couple of pounds of dry oatmeal in it, right? That is, uh, yeah, I mean, that's the only way to describe it, Ben. It's a <laughs> it's a rubber bucket with oatmeal in it. Yeah. That almost ended your marriage. That almost ended my marriage. Yeah, I keep it under my <laughs> desk. Uh, it's under my desk right now, even. Does it have like a bin liner in it and you throw like Band-Aid wrappers in and stuff? It's big enough to use as a office garbage can. If I were to line it, that's yeah, not a bad idea. Why don't uh, Why don't you have your bucket and use it too? <laughs> <laughs> ben, it's our pal Josh Hazard from Haslabs. Uh, he signed this letter uh, as your propman, so he's also <laughs> the official propman for the Greatest Discovery. <laughs> cool. Message goes like this: Hey there, guys! It was fantastic to meet you at the Seattle Live Show, and I am truly yeah. sorry. If all that oatmeal caused any issues in Adam's marriage, it simply had to be done that way. Well, Josh, I'm going to, this is my camera. Josh, I'm going to yeah. look directly into the camera and tell you, uh, it could have been, a, it could have been done a different way. I think so. I think we all know that. Back to the letter. Uh, it continues. However, when short Trek Calypso came through and you started talking about all the dumb, obscure props, you'd actually want my ears perked up. I've got no idea if the official rod pocket prop makers could hook you up with what you wanted, but I sure as hell can. <laughs> so please enjoy your unofficial Star Trek Discovery popcorn box. Oh, flat packed cool. for your convenience. <laughs> so all you have to do is put it together and fill it with Vulcan Redenbacher popcorn. Stay just a little bit embarrassed, your prop man, Josh Hazard. And wow. sure as shit, Josh has included. A screen-perfect USS Discovery popcorn bucket. Wow. Oh, it is. I know what you're going to be eating your snacks out of when uh, season two premieres. Yeah, no shit. That's great. It's so nice, I don't know if I would ever put greasy, buttery popcorn in it. Like, it's (laughs) great. Wow. It's so cool. Thank you so much, Josh. Also included is a HasLabs bumper sticker uh, that says, Stand back. I have an idea, <laughs> which is pretty great. 
Oh man, that's awesome. Thank you so much, Josh. Uh, I look forward to receiving the Star Trek Discovery pillowcase in a <laughs> in a future package with uh, with drool pre applied. <laughs> oh God, it would be it would be like that if it were screen accurate, huh? Yeah. Oh no, I do not want that. Do not want Tilly drool. Or maybe it would come with like a bottle of Tilly drool, and you could add it yourself. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, Mary Wiseman, will you s- will you sign my Tilly drool? Is <laughs> a great way to get yourself kicked out of a convention. Yeah, with cause. <laughs> hey, uh, speaking of season two, the trailer for the new season is out. I think we had, I guess, what we had before was a teaser. Now we have a a full two minutes of of trailer. Yeah, and uh, it shows quite a bit more. Uh, no longer is there any speculation as to whether Ash Tyler will be in the new series, uh, which didn't seem like a foregone conclusion at the end of the last one, but uh, I would have been real disappointed to not have him there. So Ash is looking very Mumford and Sons in this trailer. Yeah. He's really let it grow out. Yeah, he's gotten, uh, he's gotten even scruffier. He's leaned into the scruff. I like the look. He's in a fight scene early on, too. It looks like he's training with Laurel. Whoa. Keeping his uh, keeping his skills sharp. Yeah, I wonder if he's uh, training in his capacity as uh, as Voke. I bet. I bet that's got to be part of it. So, uh, what do we learn from this trailer? You think? I guess. I guess the main thing we learn is that Ash Tyler. Yeah. We learn that uh, Spock smiles. Right. Although it's a pretty subtle smile. It's a it's a appropriately subdued smile there was a scene where uh captain pike is rattling off some things that sex and 31 did that really gave me chris brenner flashbacks oh yeah covert ops threat assessment interface Uh, channel 90 i'm chris brenner (laughs) yeah brenner information systems you know interface operations net access channel 90 that chris brenner Yeah, uh, not too much entrepreneur in this episode. No, it's a lot of disco. Yeah, a lot and, of and, a lot of black goo. Also, yeah. I wonder if that's a a, a skin of evil kind of goo. Whoa! If season two features Armus, I am going to be super psyched about it. <laughs> yeah, that would be that would be pretty amazing. I would love to see Armus get the 2019 special effects treatment. Is the Mount Armus, a dank and vile company, a thing that we could put on a t-shirt ever? Because oh, that man. that really kills at the live show. <laughs> that was a good job by you. Yeah, uh, I I don't hate that idea. I feel like it's probably sufficiently parodic to be yeah. its own original creative work you you see shit that's way less of an edge case at hot topic that's true although i imagine a lot of the stuff at hot topic is licensed right i don't know i haven't been to a hot topic in a long time ben you're not hanging out at the mall these days why don't you tell me next time you're in a hot topic (laughs) (laughs) do an audit Uh, of their t-shirts i feel like the one thing about this trailer that was pretty interesting to me is how little it's about Saru or Stamets or Tilly or yeah or uh, you know any of the like Michael Burnham is 
a main character, Captain Pike as a main character, Spock as a main character, and that's it. Like everybody else appears as background actors in this trailer. You could surmise that they might be B C story types in it. Right. Which, uh, you know, I, I suppose continues a tradition that Discovery has had, which is that it is not a, especially interested in passing the baton around, you know, yeah. like a, a season of TNG has, you know, five Picard episodes and three for everybody else mm-hmm. that's in the main cast and a couple of just, you know, general, general interest episodes. Uh, Discovery was not interested in giving us a an aria episode or whatever no yeah uh we do see emperor Georgiou a fair bit yeah in this trailer yeah fighting crime and her black badge potentially who knows what <laughs> side she's on yeah well that's the that's the whole thing about section 31 it's like is this even legal <laughs> The worst kept secret in Starfleet is Section 31. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But anyways, um, only looking forward to it more, and uh, we will be uh, kicking off our weekly coverage of Star Trek Discovery in mid-January. Yeah, the uh, second season starts Thursday, January 17th. It's the day after our live show in San Francisco. Yeah, how about that? And then uh, we'll be back at you on Tuesday the 22nd with our season premiere of The Greatest Discovery. Yeah. Get your friends signed up for when we kick that off. You know, I want to I wanna see those numbers pop when, uh, when the season goes on. They added a episode to the season, Ben, that does not impact a certain trip you and I had planned. So, oh, that's good. I think we're going to be okay. Hey. Let's just hope they don't keep adding episodes. <laughs> Good news, guys. 26 episodes. <laughs> nice vacation. Shame if something happened to it. <laughs> no vacation? <laughs> <laughs> the show is a dump. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, today's episode is going to be part two of a Greatest Discovery episode we kicked off a few weeks ago. It is about the Star Trek Discovery annual comic book that features Stamets. Yeah, the backstory on Stamets. Uh, This episode is the part two to the first part that we did. That's episode 32 of The Greatest Discovery, and it's called Big Dog in the Bar. If if you haven't heard part one yet, uh, go back and check that out, and then come back. Stamets had just ingested some uh, mycelium spores and uh, is really tripping balls uh, when we leave off. And uh, to, to you know, draw a bright line underneath that, uh, the first page uh, of this second half of the book, he is lying on the ground, but the, uh, the drawing is upside down. So it looks like he's lying on the ceiling. Hmm. His buddy finds him lying there. It's, uh, it's Justin Strahl, Adam. It's a... Uh, it's his buddy that we see him FaceTiming in uh, season one of the show. They're, uh, they're the two genius researchers who are, uh, who are discovering all of the potential of, uh, of the stellivatory mushrooms. And uh, Strahl is pretty <laughs> scandalized that Stamets is, uh, has uh, gone on this wild trip, man. And Stamets is not just chill out, Dad. 
about this. He's like, we both know that they're non-toxic. Like, so chill out, dad. Yeah. <laughs> but also he says to himself, I'll eat every last spore before I see them on a Starfleet ship. So, uh, you know, really, uh, really doubling down on his unwillingness to sell out to Starfleet. He wants to keep it punk rock and uh, investigate the mycelial spores himself. He's also kind of predicting uh, the need for a greater and greater dose in order to feel anything. And I think that's <laughs> that's kind of emblematic of uh, of an addiction behavior, Ben. Yeah, you don't want to be stuck chasing the shroom. <laughs> uh, it's a great, like, reintroduction to Culber. Culber's like uh, his emergency contact. Like, whenever he gets yeah. into trouble, that's the name he put on the form. And so uh, when when looking for a second opinion about a drug you've ingested, uh, who better to talk to? But Culber sees right through it. He sees it as a reason to reach out and maintain this relationship they have. Yeah. And uh, this sort of commences an LDR. It's sort of we uh, we see over the course of months them doing FaceTime with each other as kind of a matter of course. This is a half of the comic that does several time jumps yeah i mean like it seems like every page or two the upper left corner is like how many months later it is and uh and the next page in fact is three months later and they uh, they are doing some facetime with another lab presumably on another planet and uh they are they have like a furry little frog in a miniature frog-sized spock box and they use mycelial spores to make him appear in the other lab on uh, on the FaceTime. I think it's... I mean, <laughs> I think it's kind of fucked up that they use the live <laughs> frog here. I mean, this is sort of like the Leica the dog situation, right? I thought, <laughs> I thought they'd be better at this. Well, I thought they'd be they better it, than this. They did it with just like a, with like some kind of matter initially, right? And then presumably they have those like cylinders that Jordy is always like yeah. using in the transporter as test right. cases. And uh, I imagine a couple of those materialized in the Spock box on the other side, a little like melty. Mm. But uh, yeah, once they had it where they wanted it, they tried this this froggy and it worked out great. Mm. I love this frog. I would love to see this frog appear in the show. He's hairy. Yeah. He's got kind of a, he's like a scruffy frog. He's sort of like a indie rock Kermit. (laughs) Yeah. Kermit, if he kind of uh, had like a John Roderick in the later years type of look. I hurt myself today (laughs) to see if I could feel... I focus on the pain (laughs) The only thing that's real So dreamy Ben, I've never I've never done a Kermit the Frog. I don't know if that was good. Hopefully that That was fucking tremendous. Okay. Your Rolf is spectacular, so I, I felt <laughs> I felt some nerves stepping up to that. Oh, you I think uh, I think you did the biggest one and you did it the best. Fun. Yeah, so they they test the the transporter, the spore transporter on the frog. And guess what, Ben? It fucking works. Yeah, the and frog's they're like great. next step, let's reinvent the phone booth. <laughs> they are they're super pumped. 
They're, yeah. they're, they're pumped and scared, but mostly pumped. The network is traversable. Bold face type, traversable. <laughs> That's how science people celebrate, using those $8 <laughs> words. <laughs> uh, so six months later, they've got a, uh, a phone booth-sized Spock box built in the lab, and uh, Strahl and Stamets are having a pretty heated argument about whether it's time to start doing the human trial of this doesn't seem like they have to get F- uh, FDA approval or anything. <laughs> no, no, they're like, they're like shooting spores into the eyes of bunny rabbits just before <laughs> this. Like, yeah, the bunny rabbits are tripping balls. Yeah. The um, eyes are transporting to other parts of the station. <laughs> to other bunny rabbits. <laughs> they transport the, the eyes of a murdering bunny rabbit into a regular bunny rabbit, and it starts doing murders. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, along the way, there's a fair amount of interpersonal conflict. Uh, Justin is bringing a little bit of his personal life into work with the help of Stamets, who has like dragged that personal life into an argument in front of the gang. And you, yeah. can, you can't have this sort of argument in front of, uh, in front of the, the, the lab assistants, right? Right. That's just, uh, it's an inappropriate violation of, uh, of the code, you know? I'm on Justin Strahl's side here. What the fuck? Stamets gets off the hook uh, about being an asshole because he's brilliant in a way that I think is bad, you know? I don't think that, uh, that bad behavior can be tolerated just because... You know, like that's the kind of thing that goes on on Hollywood sets where like actors get away with being fucking nightmarish pricks to everybody because it's like, oh, they're so fucking brilliant and important. Yeah. I was just going to say that's not a problem that the future has solved. Yeah, it's, in this which case. is too bad. Yeah. Um, but Strahl and his wife's relationship is not going great. And uh, Stamets kind of hurls that as an insult at him while they're arguing about doing human tests i mean the idea that a spouse wouldn't understand the work that their <laughs> that their husband is doing yeah the reasons involved no matter how stupid they may be right i mean i'm trying to understand it but i think i can you identified with it a yeah. little bit yeah or you want to <laughs> <laughs> if i understood those issues i i could identify with that yeah. I just don't know. What do you think about where Stamets keeps his TV relative to his bed? Because <laughs> <laughs> if I was designing a room, I would put the flat screen like down toward the foot of the bed so I could like lie up in bed and watch the TV. I don't have a, I don't really have a bedroom that lends itself to having a TV in it. And I don't know if I would if I did or not. But, uh, but Stamets has the TV like on the nightstand. It's a terrible placement. Like, what if you've got your night water there right in front of the TV and you're groping around in the dark and you knock the water on the television? It's a Star Trek craftmatic adjustable bed also. <laughs> and also, Stamets sleeping on top of the sheets. Well, that's canonical Trek, right? People don't put the, the covers over themselves anymore in Star Trek. It's... Maddening. I don't understand it. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I mean, this is primarily to establish that their relationship continues apace. And and also to give a little bit more dimensionality to Stamets' bias against Starfleet. Like, he, 
it kind of reminds me of uh, of David in Wrath of Khan. You know, he mm. he kind of thinks of Starfleet as being the military and like really deeply distrusts it and doesn't want them to get their hands on his the technology that he's working on. That is a great call. Yeah, this this time period uh, seems rich with people with anti Starfleet sentiment. Interesting to see. Stamets gets called away to the lab. There's an emergency down there, and uh, sure enough, one of the uh, one of the lab assistants took a little bit of initiative and uh, treated himself like a, a test cylinder for the transporter. Climbed into the Spock box and uh, came out a crispy critter. It was Charlie. He was the same guy who interrupted the argument that they had. Poor oh, Charlie. Poor Charlie. This is why you don't argue in front of the lab assistants. They take it too hard. Was your understanding that Strahl was there when he did it? (laughs) I mean, I guess someone had to hit the button. That goes uninterrogated, though, right? So I'm really confused because in the... uh, There's the... I guess it's page 31. The upper right panel is Strahl saying, We warned him not to, but he was worried you two might split up, that you might close the lab. Which doesn't seem like something Strahl would say, because he's either, like, the two pairs of people that could potentially split up are Strahl and Stamets or Strahl and his wife, right? Right. I think, uh, I think the arrow at the bottom of the, of the bubble is pointed in the wrong direction. Yeah. Is that a mistake? I think it might be. That's so weird. Yeah. You can't let a mistake like that through. No. You should be able to fix it, too. Yeah, fix this. Fix it now. Or maybe we're wrong, and we're just not understanding something. <laughs> I, I would probably bet on that one. I'd be curious if, if uh, people want to tweet at us or something and tell us if we're, if we're missing something here. But uh, I, was, I, I reread this page three times, and I still don't feel like I get what, what's happening. Yeah. It seems like it must be a mistake. So this death of a coworker affects Stamets, Stamets-ly. <laughs> like his his coping is is pretty strange his his grief process fairly robotic he is very attracted to the math that this wasn't his fault in in the slightest he also wants to use the death as a lesson in a way that i i can kind of get with that like not letting poor charlie die in vain there's some data there yeah i went i wondered about like medical ethics with this because I know that it's like, it seems like it would be a little bit problematic to, you know, set a precedent that like, oh yeah, we'll, we'll uh, use the data of people that kill themselves for the science. And then like that has like a weird, you know, effect of like encouraging it or something. Man, I mean, I've never got with that. I think, I think once it, once the tragedy is done, I think if there's anything to be learned from those situations to to better the world, I think... I think that's worth doing. I get that it's a little squishy, but... Oh, fuck. Adam, I had an email here from the New York Times saying they wanted to offer you a job writing their ethics column in the in the Sunday magazine, and, and then they just replied and said they, they're withdrawing the offer. <laughs> e. Boy, that was my way out, wasn't it? <laughs> Adam comes to this job from his... Previous work as a Star Trek podcaster. <laughs> I think I would bring a great energy to the newsroom. He does use that data, and uh, he uses it to solve the puzzle. And uh, 
He's, it looks like he's going to kind of pull the same move that Charlie did and, and hop in the Spock box by himself yeah. and uh, and run the test. But Strahl, uh, you know, gets there and, and hears his his logic, basically, that, like, this works or it doesn't. And if it doesn't, our research is over and I don't want to be alive anyways. So <laughs> I'm not, I'm not right? laughing at that. I mean, I guess I'm laughing at that. <laughs> Taking it to eleven there in that in that brief <laughs> yeah. moment, but wow, yeah, I mean, I mean that's basically what Stamets is saying here. He's just saying like, uh, you know, this is what I want to do, and if it doesn't work, like go fucking be a husband again, you know. I think Strahl agrees to this a little quick, <laughs> especially because he's got to be the one to hit the button, as far as yeah, I can tell. It's like this Stamets guy is really annoying me, so like. One scenario, I take him out and I don't have to deal with him ever again. Or the other scenario, uh, we get like the Nobel Prize <laughs> and uh, I'll probably be able to tolerate him a little bit better after that. Uh, but the gamble pays off and it works. Yeah. Stamets is, is transported from one box to another. Good for Stamets. They take it back to the Federation Research Council on Alpha Centauri. This is... Uh, this is a location we've seen before, that TED Talk place that they uh, that they were in a few years ago, I guess, in the timeline of this of this story. Is there a toad in the audience, as in like <laughs> the Nintendo character? Because oh, we man. we see a shot of the stage from uh, from an area toward the back of the crowd, so we see a lot yeah. of backs of heads. There is a uh, a toadstool head there in the in the right? lower right. Yeah, that's what I thought. Wow. It really caught my eye. <laughs> Probably uh, the slowest guy to get uh, into and out of a seat, right? They announce their results, and he just goes, "Ah!" <laughs> <laughs> oh man! <laughs> this time uh, the presentation goes great, Ben. Yeah. Uh, because, like, unlike people just screaming their questions from the crowd, they're greeted as positive figures in the aftermath. Starfleet comes a calling again, and it feels like uh, there's a lottery ticket potential here if they want to take them up on it. Yeah. I think Justin is the one who's the most optimistic because uh, he's left Amelia and he's looking to make a fresh start. We never see him go to the Glen at this point, but I think you can imagine. No. Yeah. Uh, what we do see is uh, smash cut to airplane. They, uh, they're they flying back from their meeting on Alpha Centauri. I thought this was interesting since you and I have uh, have now taken several flights with each other and you're a, a windowman and I'm an aisleman, which, uh, which works out great for us. Would that uh, hold never... up? Were you to take a space transport, would you still prefer the aisle? I kind of feel like you'd reverse course there. I'd maybe take the window like the first time. <laughs> But here's the here's the truth, Adam. You know, I need to go pee, and I don't want to be crawling over people. Yeah, I don't want to make a nuisance of myself. It looks like they're in uh, economy plus there, given the the amount of leg room. Yeah, we're talking about nice a nice bit of leg room. Um, and then uh, Strahl like catches Stamets about to about to freeze all of the all of the mushrooms in the garden. Yeah, this is a this is a thing that he perceives to be killing the spores at first. Yeah, 
this is uh, this is where we get to see Stamets kind of change his tune on the Starfleet thing. His thinking is basically like the devil you know is better than the devil you don't. Like if we do this research, Starfleet will eventually use the technology one way or the other. But if we're the people doing it at Starfleet, we could at least have a hand in guiding yeah. how it might get used. Yeah. Sort of like uh, people at the high levels of a certain government, you know, like right. you want to you want to stay and stick that out because in many ways you could be the last line of defense. Right. And like if you resign, the person that they put in to replace you will probably be even more sycophantic and compromised than you are. Right. Yeah. So you uh, it's not necessarily going to be popular with the base or whatever but you like do the right thing for the greater good pretty good evergreen comparison there ben yeah and i think the thing that persuades them is that starfleet says that what they want it for is for propulsion so that kind of walks them off the ledge right like from jump they've always been like they're going to weaponize it fuck that we don't want it to get perverted in that way but as soon as they hear that that's the use i think yeah. they become far more open-minded yeah I, I loved that first scene with the starfleet guy saying uh we look for things things to make us go <laughs> <laughs> sound a little uh little kermity on that my voice cracked in a weird way that i think Lended itself to it sounding Kermity, but then hmm. Kermit's voice doesn't really crack. No. I don't know why. I don't know why it came out that way. It was weird. I thought it was a great effort. <laughs> Stamets is deploying to the USS Discovery, really walks on board with a ton of swagger. He's, uh, you know, given his bag to, uh, to Ensign Hospitality, who wants to show him to his room and he's like no captain first and uh we meet Lorca it is established in the in these scenes that this is already MU Lorca right that he's meeting you know Stamets is very new to chain of command as an idea yeah. which i think comports with the character that we meet in the show yep um and uh and then he uh he goes down to his quarters and uh who should be there, but uh, the handsome Dr. Culber, he's gotten a transfer. He used his medical override to break into his quarters, I guess. <laughs> What's that about? Yeah, more like make-out override, because they just make right out. You know, much like you are against the idea of a surprise party, it doesn't yeah. matter who's behind that door. If I'm expecting to be alone, that's not a, that's not a 100% good thing. That's a bit like surprise free barbecue where it's like it's a good thing in theory but if you just ate a peanut butter sandwich it's a bummer. I'm going to I'm going to set my my cans down and walk away while you finish up your <laughs> Try rant about surprise free barbecue. <laughs> <laughs> You've heard it before. Only every time we're together. <laughs> It's the only good metaphor I've ever come up with. Ben, we get another time jump, this time uh, a month into the future, and we're in engineering. Uh, and the last page of the comic is the arrival of one Sylvia Tilly. 
who is as like the thing about Stamets is is I kind of feel like if there were one person to beat the joy out of Tilly's personality, it would be him. Like yeah. day after day, I could just see just being the grumpiest him like wearing her down. And uh, it's nice to see that like there was never a, a greater level of energy from Tilly that that then got ground down into the version that we see in the Discovery program. Like she's always been like this. And it's great. It is great. Um, she's established a little earlier on, or at least hinted at earlier on, like she's interested in coming and working for him before they're even in uh, in Starfleet. And he resists hiring her because she's a, a graduate of the Academy. But uh, now that he's uh, the big swinging engineer dick on this ship, he can, he can uh, get the captain to let him pick his own staff and uh tilly is who he gets i think maybe the best depiction of anthony rap is the very last frame in the entire comic book like yeah. that is him yeah and it's him kind of looking chuffed that uh he's gotten the tilly he was looking for ben i'm excited that you and i are going to be in an upcoming comic book yeah speaking of speaking of uh of comic book versions of people who are real and how accurate those depictions may be. We saw a little bit of a glimpse of what we're going to look like, and we're pretty psyched about it. A recent episode of Greatest Discovery, we had J.K. Woodward on, and uh, he's a great comics artist, and uh, he (laughs) painted us as like some kind of uh, officers that are accompanying Picard in something. We get wasted. Yeah, this is going to be in an upcoming Picard comic book. So it's it's probably going to be canon. We're going to be canonical Star Trek, Ben. Yeah. And you know, once you get in, you're in. Yeah. You know, they hire these actors and bring them back all the time. Like, maybe this is how we work our way up. Like, you got to start with the comics. And then you're a background actor. Yeah, exactly. And then you're eating fortune cookies in the conference room of the disco. <laughs> <laughs> I love the idea of getting hired as extras to just be in the background during a scene. There's some super tense scene where we're supposed to be standing at attention while Lorca and some other characters are having an argument, and we both just kind of like steal a fortune cookie <laughs> while nobody's looking. <laughs> things are good. Invented in San Francisco. Yeah. Where we'll be pretty soon for San Francisco Sketchfest. January 16th. Get your tickets now. GreatestGenCon.com. Just like restaurant quality pivot right there, Ben. <laughs> did you like this comic? Uh, I did. You know, it's a it's an interesting kind of story. It's not really like a, a traditional, here is the problem that the hero must face and, you know, rising action and solution. You know, it's, it's, it is really a backstory. And... It explains how the Stamets-Culber romance starts. It explains how the the sport drive starts. It explains like how Tilly became an integral member of the engineering staff. Uh, but it's, it doesn't seem like it's that cohesive as just a standalone story. So I think if you if you are pr- rating it as just his own comic book, like in a vacuum. It probably isn't that interesting, but as a piece of ancillary media to the show, I really liked it. 
Yeah, I would say that if if Stamets is your favorite character, this is going to be more important to you than if he's just one of the many characters that you like on Discovery. Right. I think it's fun how it butts right up against the show. Yep. But I, I think I'm with you on on the ultimate review, though. Uh, it it is uh, it is good and worth consuming as a fan of the show and of the characters but i would say it's not a must read you know and it's also a comic book you can you can get away with some some pretty different stuff in the context of a comic book and i would have loved to see like a really explicit sex scene (laughs) you know yeah just the way i would have wanted to see a lot more klingon dong in the in the call of takuvma series that we really really give it to that frog (laughs) or <laughs> they send him off. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's where I'm headed with that. Ben, uh, one thing that gives it to us every episode is uh, is our priority one message inbox. You want to see if we have anything in there? Let's do it. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Adam, we have a personal message here. It is from Mike Mock and Kristar Shrimp Colgar. And I think we've met all of those people now, right? Sure have. And it's to Trigar. Also a person we have met a couple of times. Yeah, I love that guy. Message goes like this. On Wednesdays, we wear pink. (laughs) And communication. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Super fun. Just a note for Trigar. W slash R slash T, the... Wardrobe choices from Wednesday. Yeah, if you're going to be the second weirdest group of people that call themselves friends of DeSoto, you got to exchange a weird communication every so often. I'll let you people guess what the first weirdest is. <laughs> ben, our second priority one message is for me. And it is what? and it is from the asshole who tweeted at Adam about the footprint insignia in episode 1. <laughs> The message goes like this. Since I assume you blocked me immediately, I'll use a different forum to apologize for thinking you didn't get the point of the stupid insignia in episode one. Sorry. I'm resolving to stop nerdsplaining in 2019, or at least to cut down. Keep up the awesome pod. Can't wait for Disco S2. Yeah, you you don't want to set yourself up for failure. Because if you say, I'm going to totally stop nerdsplaining, and then you do it once, you'll be like, well, I guess I'm back off the wagon. This person is correct about uh, being muted, by the way. Um, (laughs) Anytime I am nerdsplained on Twitter, I mute the person attempting to do so. Uh, One way that this is made really easy is through the use of Twitter's many mute filters. I'll just go through a few with you right now, Ben. Okay. Here is what I have muted on Twitter. If you've attempted to use any of these words in a message towards me, I haven't seen them. Disappointing. Disappointed. (laughs) You need to. You should have. Why didn't you? Wow. None of those are getting through. Yeah. So don't even try. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Really, really cleaned up Twitter for me in a pretty good way. I don't think I've ever gotten a tweet that used the word or some variation of disappointed that wasn't concern trolling yeah exactly yeah you don't need that like, shit n- nobody is doing that to actually defend themselves it's always like a hypothetical other person hey real talk though i do appreciate the apology uh i this person did not 
uh, leave who their Twitter handle was, so I have no way to <laughs> unmute them and see if they've made better choices going forward. But I appreciate well, it's the not ap- starting till till 2019 that they're making the better choices. Yeah, I appreciate the apology. I respect the willingness to be a better person, and definitely appreciate a priority one message on the greatest discovery. Ben, this the uh, the the cutest, smallest. Of the Uxbridge Shimoda <laughs> podcast empire, the the show that needs probably the most support. So, yeah, those who have submitted a priority one message are doing a, a ton of work uh, to help keep the greatest discovery going. So, thanks to them. We sure appreciate it. Top of the morning to you. This episode is brought to you by the St. Patrick's Day Shamrock Shavers Manscaped. This year, don't just chase rainbows. Make your own pot of gold and groom your little leprechaun with the leaders in Below the Kilt Care. I didn't make that up. That's actual copy sent to us by the great folks over at Manscaped who make the shaver that I use downstairs on my little leprechaun. And uh, I recommend it. Uh, It works great. Uh, Trimming the hedges in your Irish garden isn't just for below the belt. You can complete your look with their new signature Beard Hedger Pro Kit plus Handyman Electric Face Shaver. Everything they make is really good and high quality, and this new trimmer that they have comes with two interchangeable next-gen skin-safe blades. They've got one for a classic trim and a new foil blade to go smooth wherever your heart desires. So get 20% off plus free shipping with code TREK at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and get free shipping with code TREK at manscapes.com. This St. Patrick's Day, make sure your little hairy leprechaun is luckier than ever with Manscaped. I have tried so many meal services over the years. After all, I am a podcast host. And I gotta tell you, Factor Meals is my favorite. Why? Because I can go from what am I gonna have for dinner to eating a great dinner in exactly two minutes with Factor Meals. And don't sleep on their smoothies either. I got six of these in the box this week. Mango, tropical fruit, strawberry or banana. They're all amazing. They're like meal supplements I can enjoy while I'm on the go. Head to factormeals.com slash trek50 and use the code trek50 to get 50% off. Again, that's the code trek50 at factormeals.com slash trek50 to get 50% off. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing and wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. 
The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Hey, Ben. What's that, Adam? Did you find yourself a drunk Shimoda? Incredible. Drunk Shimoda. I did, Adam. Uh, Of course, the drunk Shimoda is the character doing the silliest stuff uh, in the episode. And um, I had to give it to Lorca. We get three panels with, I guess four panels technically with Lorca in them in the entire comic book. <laughs> the, uh, the, the guy is, you know, he looms large over the entire first season of the show. So it's fun to have just a, a glancing scene with him in this. And it is fun how much Lorca he is. <laughs> like the, uh, like Stamets was sold this job with the idea that he would really just get kind of unlimited resources and staff to do whatever the fuck he wanted and uh, immediately finds the reality to not be what uh, what that was uh, sold to him as. And <laughs> I just loved uh, Lorca's suggestion that uh, if he can't, if he can't deal, he should unenlist. <laughs> I love it. All or nothing. Yeah, like, we are two pages from having Stamets rationalize his way into agreeing to take the project to Starfleet. <laughs> He's already being just kicked in the nuts by Lorca. <laughs> so, That's great. He's true to his character. Yeah, yeah. It just made me laugh. And, uh, you know, Shimoda doesn't have to be that much like Jim Shimoda to to get the award if he's making me laugh. Right. Yeah, very true. Ben, I had a Shimoda selected, and then I changed my mind once you called attention to the terrible uh, television placement that (laughs) Stamets has in setting up his apartment. I think you have been injected with the naked now poison if you think that that TV facing the bed in profile is how you want to set up a bedroom. Yeah. Not good. Unless he's like a side sleeper. He always sleeps on his left side. But you can't be a side sleeper if you have the bed uh, tilted up in a in a reclination style yeah. fashion, right? That's that's not comfortable. That's bad for your lower back. And also, you don't want to watch the television with it like vertical relative to your head, right? <laughs> right. That's no fun. It's insane. The screen should be should be rotated ninety degrees if that's the case. Stamets is a man of science. He should be. Uniquely interested in in television <laughs> resolution and placement. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he's always going and turning off the motion flow feature. That's what makes him one of the greats, Ben. <laughs> uh, well, I don't think we have anything figured out for what our next episode is at this point, do oh, we? Oh, we sure do. We've got uh, Short Treks number four is our next episode. Oh, shit. So look out for that. It's the it's the return of Harry Mudd. So right, that's our last off season ep, right? Yeah. Then, then we're into we're into the season. Worked out pretty good, huh? Man, 
I love it. Yeah, then we're back to once a week. So uh, looking forward to all of that. I think this episode comes out on Christmas Day. So uh, from Greatest Discovery to you, happy holidays, whatever holiday you celebrate. Um, thanks uh, Thanks for a great year. Yeah, we really appreciate it as we look forward to giving you another great year of The Greatest Discovery. Pretty psyched to have new Star Trek once again, Ben. Indeed. And uh, we'll let Robs take it from here. Thanks, Robs. The Greatest Discovery is a Maximum Fun podcast. Hosted by Adam Pranica and Ben Harrison. And it's produced and edited by me, Rob Schulte. Our theme music is by Adam Ragusia. Head on over to MaximumFun.org slash donate to support the ongoing production of our show. And a nice free way to support the show is to head on over to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star rating and review. You can find Ben on Twitter at BenjaminAHR. Adam is at CutForTime. And I'm at Rob K. Schulte. All right, thanks. We'll see you next time. I'm Chris Brenner. Brenner Information Systems. You know, interface, operations, net access, channel 90. Chris Brenner. (laughs) Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.